755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Brace Rider with The Athletic. And we got a special show today. We got my regular man, my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? Not a... And it's kind of appropriate. We got one of the original baby Braves with us tonight. Kelly Johnson sitting in again with us on a night, uh, on a day after the baby Braves had quite an impact again, the new baby Braves last night in a 3-0 win against the Rockies, which was a phenomenal performance by Spencer Strider, who broke John Smoltz's Atlanta franchise record for strikeouts. It was just, it was only his 17th career start and the dude struck out 16 and he did it in eight innings. He didn't even go a complete game. I mean, it was, it was devastating. No walks, two hits, one of those in the eighth inning. It was as dominant as I, a performance as I've seen in a long, long time. And I was telling Eric last night, I said, it was a lot more dominant than some of the no hitters I've covered. Yeah. A lot more dominant and more yeah. impressive actually. Yeah. Cause it was just sheer domination. I mean, it was uh, what this guy does. Every time he goes out, he's one of those guys that has that feel like he could throw a no-hitter every time he goes out, you know? That's why I wasn't, you know, I'm not going to knock it, but I wasn't that impressed with it or shocked by it, I guess, because it just felt like he did what he normally does a little longer. You know, Just he a little bit higher grade. It, yeah, and it was longer. like he just had yeah. a good game for him. Like he's yeah. pitched like this all year. Five double-digit strikeout games in his last 14 starts. Yeah. Double-digit. Wow. And this is a guy that's not going more than 100 pitches. He went 106 last night. That was his high of the season. And he's yeah. piling up those strikeout totals. They're trying to be careful with him. He's like, <laughs> he's so good. They can't they have to yeah. leave him yeah. out there. Well, the no walks, right? Like, I mean, no I, walks. I was just I mean, listening about, you know, I think um, uh, Clemens had a, had a 20 strikeout game back in the day, no walks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, like as a pitcher, I mean, if you're not walking anyone and you're punching tickets and blowing fastballs, your stuff's pretty good that day. And the other amazing the other amazing thing about what he's doing and what he did last night is two pitches. He didn't even throw the changeup one time last night. Yeah. All fastballs and sliders. That's yeah. it. Not one other pitch. I don't and think the Rockies were picking him up very well. <laughs> they cannot hitters, Nobody not can. just the Rockies, yeah. but they cannot pick they cannot catch up to his heater, man. From the arm angle, the spin. Eric's talked about this, how different it is than other than all the other guys who throw hundred miles an hour. He's different than all of them. I guess that that's what I'm saying. That it wasn't like he did anything different yesterday. Right. It was the same swings. It was, you know, fastball's top of the zone. When he missed in the zone, they still swung three inches under it because it's just a it's an it's fastball is an out pitch. Every pitch, he every time he throws it, it's just by guys. And it's especially when he's facing a team for the first or second time. I don't count that start in Colorado. Nothing counts in Colorado. Right. He walked but, five in Colorado. It was the second start yeah, of his career. Colorado doesn't count. But right. it, it wasn't like he was getting any swings that you haven't seen him get the entire season. You know, yeah. the one thing I think he did yesterday that was pretty impressive was how he was locating his slider at the bottom of the zone. You know, he was able to yeah. throw it for strikes. Yeah. He was dotting he, it in the bottom and the top. He didn't have any big, drastic uh, misses. It didn't seem like he really overthrew. You'll see him overthrow sometimes and miss um, glove side pretty hard. But yeah. it was like he just – he did what you knew he could do all year long, and you've just been waiting for it all to come together for an outing. But as far as the swings, I mean, you've seen those swings 
all year long. Guys, guys just getting blown away by his fastball. And he just did it longer yesterday and didn't walk anybody. Wow. The, uh, yeah, the uh, the walks total, how much he's reduced that in the course mm-hmm. of this season is pretty remarkable. But that's we've talked about this kid's intelligence. I mean, he's special in a lot of ways. I'm obvious, yeah. Obviously, he's only six foot tall, maybe 5'11". He's got – they call him Quadzilla for a reason. He's got massive quads. Yeah. He's as 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 you as we had uh, when uh, when we had uh, Colin on here. Colin McHugh was talking about was it Colin talking about his stretching routine? No, no, it was uh, Colin and Luke uh, both talked about it. Luke was talking about his stretching routine, which is like he's ridiculously nimble and pliable and does all these plyometrics. Sounds like Smoltz, you know. Guys yep. can't do the stretches he does. They try to do them, and they're like, "Oh my god, I kill myself trying to do <laughs> yeah. this." And he's a vegan. He started that when he was coming back from TJ. Oh, surgery man, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> when he's coming back from TJ surgery at Clemson, so in order to reduce inflammation, he just liked how he felt doing it. He reduced his body fat like right away from 11%. To, it's like 3 or 4% now. And yeah. and he's put together. I mean, he takes yeah. shirt off the dude's put together. Yeah. He's just special, man. This kid is, and he's all about, he, he will sit there and talk about, he was talking last night in the, in the, after that game where a lot of guys still be excited about what they did and everything, he was talking about how the fastball has felt the feel for it. The last few starts has been so good as the seasons wore on. He said, he talks about the, uh, the metrics of the spin rate on his fastball, right? Because it's right where I want it to be. Now I got a real good feel for it. So he's not surprised that hitters the reaction to it because of where he has it. He, he looks at it on, on all that equipment they have. Uh, the analytics equipment that shows the spin rate of shapes of all the pitches. And he studies that shit, man. And he knows exactly where he wants his fastball to be spin rate and all that. And yeah. the slider, the slider, the, the swings on the slider last night, just guys just look ridiculous on it. Yeah. And they were trying to check. He struck out a guy in the eighth inning on the check when he had two guys on the corners after Olson's error, error and miscatch error. Uh, which I asked him, I said, do you think Olsen meant to drop that? Because it allowed him to break that strikeout record because he didn't get a strikeout. But he had runners on the corners in the eighth inning when a lot of guys would be tiring. He strikes out the last two batters. The only thing he could do that. And both of them on sliders. One was a, just an ugly swing. The other was a check. Try to check it. They just have to cheat so much to to catch up to that heater. You see him wow. doing it all night, trying to cheat. And, 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 just, and that slider just goes a foot off the plate at least. Kelly, did you face anybody that you, you you saw the fastball and swung and it just wasn't there? DeGrom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's his debut was in uh in New York and I was with the Yankees. And I mean, I just even that day, I mean, you think that you're getting the the, the debut guy, you're like, that's a couple yeah. of hits. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna hit the ball hard here. Like, nope, you know, and, and guys like that, when their fastball plays so much that you cannot get on it like you feel like you you feel like the only way you got a chance on the heater is if you start your swing when he lifts his leg and yeah. and, and when that's the case you're you're done man you're if it's screwed. not a heater you're you know done. if it's not a heater you're screwed and even even then you're you're that's your only chance so if you right. do happen to square up the heater you're like i mean you hit anything on a barrel against guys like that you're you know you're kind of happy but it's just you know guys are some guys are just that good and when they're on and they're good like that as a hitter, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, no, no matter how locked in you are, uh, good. That's why good pitching always beats good hitting. You know, because if, yeah. even if you're locked in, you know, it's just nothing you can do. 
Osterada said he was beyond electric tonight. Um, it was fun to play behind him. I'll tell you that. He, he was talking about the swagger he has, that little twirl he yeah. does it after he throws a pitch. And it's almost like he knows there's no way the guy's catching up to this. And he starts yeah. his little twirl. Um, yeah. Asked him who – somebody asked him who – Riley, if he could compare him to anybody. And he paused for a moment. He said, DeGrom. He goes, those are the only two guys with just two pitches that do that. He goes, the arsenal is it, like – that's the only guy I can even think of. And Snit said, asked him if he reminded of anybody. And Snit said, well, when he got in, I saw him at spring training, the arm and all that, the size, Kimbrel, yeah, right? That's who said, I thought of. And he said, but now it's more like Tom Seaver. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good comp. Yeah, same stature. The, the Yeah, the size, Eric, Eric has talked about this, is so much a reminder of Kimbrel at his absolute peak when he was with the Braves and he could get two guys on or bases loaded and you still felt like he could get out of it, striking out everybody. Yeah. That's what this kid's got. And the size is, like, identical. They're, they're about six feet, big legs, get a lot of the power from the legs. Strider's got – they break it down now with the – with the analytics and they give tell you so much about a guy's delivery. Well, Strider's got like six inches more uh, extension than the average pitcher, even though he's six feet tall and the average wow. pitcher now is about six, three or whatever. He's got six inches more extension where he's, cause he's got such a long stride with those big legs of his that he can stay, he can be stable doing that. And then, you know, like Eric said, he's coming from six feet instead of everybody so, else that throws a hundred is like six, three, six, four. Yeah, so it's got that uphill plane to it, and that spin rate. He's got yeah. a really good spin rate on his fastball. So, D Rose talking about this today too. It never has the the appearance of coming down like everybody. The plane is not. It's like it's yeah. straight or up. Yeah. So, it's he's just got something going for him that other pitchers yeah. are not going to be able to duplicate because they just don't have the physical size or yep. the, the spin on the fastball. Fastball, but well, and that's a lot like how Degrom was when. Yeah, it was his first year was fifteen, right, Kelly? That year we were uh, with the Mets. De- debut fourteen, but his first full season. I, I remember watching him in fifteen and thinking, "This guy's not getting the attention that he deserves." Yeah. You know, he like this guy's yeah. on a completely different level than yeah. any pitcher I'm watching. But be, when, before you've established yourself and done it for a certain amount of time, it's like, ah, oh, he's a young guy. We'll see how he's doing, and, and then all of a sudden they have some games like this that put them on the map and it, you know, you, you strike out 16, everybody in the game seeing it, but yeah. his teammates and people that have been watching him all year, we were watching DeGrom. Like this dude is, he's head and shoulders above anybody else in the game right now. He just doesn't, hasn't done it long enough to be, to be in this certain conversation yet. But when you're watching him do it, yeah. it's like, this is a different level than anybody else in the game. Matt, well, Matt, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, it's going off of what he just said. I mean, honestly, Strider, I, I mean, if you're a Braves fan, you've been watching right. it. And you've been watching him get better and better. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm guilty this this season of not getting to tune in as much as usual. Uh, and this is probably the first where, I mean, I knew that Michael Harris and Spencer Strider are like kind of one and two yep. uh, rookie of the years. I knew they're doing well, um, you know, but I hadn't caught any buzz of Strider until this moment. And yeah. so it, it might be a little bit of that same situation there where, over time, he's you know it takes an all star game, it takes a maybe right. an, an award you know or, or something right. to put him on the national map. But he's he's clearly one of these guys in the game now that you know he's going to reach that level if he keeps this up. And I think if he uh, 
if A, we'd have seen him in a World Series last year, like Kyle Wright came no. back from AAA last year, made that great appearance, which has yeah. been misrepresented as a start by a lot of people because it came in the first inning yeah. when the actual cl- opener they had kind of bombed. Stry- uh, Wright came in and went four four plus innings, was dominant. So everybody, that was kind yeah. of his stepping springboard to this season. Yeah. Um, so he's been there from day one this year. We've seen Max Freed develop from a top prospect, one of the top five pitching prospects in baseball when he was with San Diego, had TJ Brace trade for him. He misses two years in the minors. We've seen him slowly develop. They came up, used him in a, in a relief role for a couple of years, spot starts. And then he's developed into an ace in the last couple of years, through the last three years. So it's been more of a, of a gradual, and he's in his late 20s now. Yep. Strider, this year, I mean, last year was his first season because he was a, a fourth-round pick in 2020 out of Clemson because of TJ. Yeah. Slipped a little further than people thought. Brace gave him a bigger bonus. Um, no season in 2020. So nobody saw him then. Last year was his yeah. first minor league season. He started last year in low A, was promoted yeah. four times in a season. He pitched at literally every level in the Braves organization in one year, including makes yeah. his major league debut in the last weekend of the season. And you were talking about him too. You were talking about the Strider guy, and I was like, "Oh, we see it when he gets up." You know, there's a lot of guys in the minors throwing ninety-eight, A-ball, high A, double A, man among boys. Yeah, and it makes his debut yeah. end of the year. And they went with Dylan Lee. They tried them both out that last weekend of the season after they clinched. They said we might be able to use one of these guys in a the bullpen for the playoffs. They went with Dylan Lee, left-hander, and uh, Strider didn't make postseason roster. But then he comes in spring training this year, and he's even better than he was last year. And he's throwing a chain, little change up too. Makes the opening day roster because they had an expanded roster. Snit uses him in in uh, in uh, first uh, in in some low leverage, an inning here, inning there. Then he starts or two innings. Then he starts mo- moving him up into high leverage, multi innings like Hater used to back when he was younger. So it's like okay, and he's just blowing away guys. He's throwing hundred and one when he's in you know in a relief role, and uh, you know he'd been a starter his whole career. So late in May, the Braves are four games under 500. They call up Harris, and the same weekend, they move Strider to the rotation. And the team started its 14-game win streak like two days later after Harris got here and after Strider moved into the rotation, and they haven't looked back yet. And Strider has just gotten better and better and better. And, you know, he had only threw 100 innings last year, a little bit below 100 innings. So people thought, and we thought, they might eventually have to you know, monitor those innings and maybe they move them back to the bullpen at the end of the year. If they have to uh, forget that they've been careful with him and it's paying off now because he didn't pile up too many innings. So he's yeah. only at like 115 or whatever now. And uh, like, Snit don't said, scare me at all. like Snit said last night, we've yeah. got him now where he is, where we can ride him the rest of the way, Yeah, you know, and they're not scared at all because he takes good, such good care of himself, yeah. you know, that's what I was going to ask Kelly about is, you know, like when, when we were playing, nobody did anything. Yeah, it, they they did. You know, you, your workout was just the basic, like three sets of 10 on the lap pull machine and some body weight squats. Yeah. And so when you try to compare arrows or compare innings limits and all this stuff, there weren't yeah. any vegans doing yoga with quads that big. You know, it was the, no, the, not very many. You know, there was nobody. <laughs> nobody had routines these advanced. It was kind of like more just don't get hurt, kind of stay out of the weight room. And yeah. now you have guys like Strider who's so educated on it all. And shaping yeah. his pitches and spin I mean, rates. And I saw that yeah, yoga yeah. video he was doing with Moilo yesterday. And yeah, 
it's just the amount of stuff these guys have now that they can do to maintain feeling good and maintain their energy. Yeah. And they're not slamming 15 beers after the game. They're not eating shit food. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to even put a, it's hard to even compare because the game hasn't been where it's at right now with guys taking care of themselves like this for very long to even say this should be your in- innings limit or, or what yeah. is this guy going to get tired? He might be good for another 120 innings this year and feel completely fine the way he takes care of himself. You, you ain't lying, man. When, when, I, feel, I feel like after workouts when I was like 20, how old is he? Like 20, 23, like 20, 23. When I was 23, I was my rookie year. I mean, it was workout in the off season, stop at Chick-fil-A on the way back. Like <laughs> yeah. just, just completely negate anything you just did. Yep. You know, not to mention, you know, you're not going to bed till whatever time, what sleeping in. I mean, there was, but there was no, there was nobody that was, you know, doing it at all. Right. And, you know, there was maybe the odd guy and it, and to be honest, the odd guy that would do that, like I'll give you an example, like Kyle, Kyle Farnsworth, you know, yeah. the guy was shredded, yeah. watched right. what he ate, you know, and but you're looking at him like, wow, this guy's psycho. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, freak. You know? Yeah, like like you're looking at him like like who does that? <laughs> you know, like, he's the only one. And what no, a weirdo! Like, what a weirdo! Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, forget, forget, I, forget that he looks better than all of us without his shirt on. He he's in great shape. He throws a million. He's yep. doing everything right. And we're looking yeah. at him like that's what he, that's that doesn't work for anybody. I used else. to do my back exercises, you know, because I had all these weird back exercises I had to do. I'd go out and do them in the hallway. So I wasn't yeah. around my teammates because yeah. it was just like, what are you doing, man? And I got tired of getting heckled for it. So let me just find a quiet room to do my bullshit. And now yeah. it's completely accepted and pretty much everybody's on the oh, yeah. on that is there, train. Is there even like a squat rack or a bench press in a weight room in the big leagues anymore? Like, I mean, that's, <sighs> I don't even feel like that that's a thing. Like you get in there and I used to, it, at the end of my career, it was like bench press is nothing for you. It does nothing yeah, for you yeah. as a baseball player. I couldn't not do it. It just made me feel stronger. Yeah. Yep. And that was, that was my only reason. I had no, you know, professional or, or no. expert reasoning. Made you feel good. I did what made me feel good and strong, you know, but these guys grow up now in high school, they're going at, at 12, they start going to these personal trainers yeah. and they're doing, they're doing all the, you know, I don't even know what the names for them are, but they're doing the exercises that are more applicable to, yeah. you know, what you're doing, yeah, body, you know, how flexible. your body needs to twist and move and mobility positions you need to get into. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're just groomed that way. And it's, that, uh, it's crazy. They, they look like they're, they look like they're figure skaters. Yeah. Sh- I mean, they're hitting the ball 480 feet yeah. and they're fast. Yeah. You know, for us, it was, you were yoked and yep. you hit the ball far. If you had 2% body fat, like remember David Lowe, the outfielder, yeah. uh-uh. Uh, Royals, and then I played with him in Baltimore. Dude was, I mean, he could have been in a men's health magazine. And he had like 1% body fat. But he couldn't hit a ball out of the infield. And he had some pop, but he couldn't, after the end of the year, it would just go away. And then he, Yeah, fat was good. He would be hurt. Oh, you, Albert Pujols, you got to have a little tummy, man, if you want to hit some bombs. And it's, Yeah, you can't pull fat. Yeah, these guys nowadays, you know. Yeah, it's advanced, man. It's, it's so advanced. And this guy, I think the best thing that could have happened to him, as crazy as it sounds, was TJ surgery because yeah. he completely, completely revamped everything he did. Not just diet. I'm talking about all the exercises he did because he wanted, he studied so hard. I mean, this guy's real. he's like really well-read yeah. in general, but he immersed himself in all the training techniques and what he needed to do, picked out the best stuff, talked to all the best people, the trainers at Clemson helped him out, getting on the vegan diet and all that. But the other stuff to strengthen everything else in his body when he came back and was able to pitch. 
And he's added so much to his fastball since then. I mean, there was a reason why he was only a fourth rounder. He wasn't throwing, yeah. he wasn't throwing, you know, 99, yeah. 100, 101. He was throwing mid 90s, upper 90s, yeah. and didn't have nearly the command that he has now. And was all fastballs then, you know? He didn't even learn the, he didn't even pick up the slider till last year because he didn't need it. He was, he was yep. during his season in the minors, he started throwing the slider, honed it, and then he, then he uh, picked up the, the uh, changeup this past offseason only because he knew he was going to come in and try to earn a spot and start in rotation, and he probably needed a third pitch. So he started throwing the changeup some. As it turns out, he has hardly even needed it this year, but he can throw it when he needs to, and it's a pretty decent yeah. changeup. Yeah. But last night, it was like, like Charlie Blackman said what you were saying about uh, – the difference between him and that Colorado start is the slider. Now his, his, he's throwing that slider. He said, when he's got a feel for the slider, like he does now, and he's got a feel for that fastball, Charlie Blavin said, it's almost impossible to cover both. It's really hard to cover both. Yeah. yeah. You got to yeah. cheat too much. Yeah. That's it. All right. Are we done talking about pitching? Man, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, um, Let's talk about Michael look, Harris. Guy's a beast. Yes, Love he is. He is. But this was, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty special last night, though. But just, uh, just I was just looking at uh, Strider's totals, though, game by game, though, and you've seen because I mean the guy's got a nine seven seven whip. He's got a two six seven ERA. He's got a hundred and seventy four strikeouts and thirty eight walks in a hundred and fourteen innings. <laughs> His strikeout rate. Is like mid 13s is a full strikeout higher than the next highest in the majors among anybody's like thrown 90, 100 pitch, uh, 100 innings. Wow. Next highest in the majors is Shohei Atani. He's a full strikeout behind him. Wow. I, I mean, he's far and away that strikes out far and away the highest strikeout rate in the majors. I mean, he's Kimbrough for eight or nine innings. Yep. I mean, it's and it's good to hear. I mean, the way he takes care of himself, kind of duty is. I mean, that's the kind of people that typically, you know, can make this thing last. You know, not going to be like a couple year, two or three thing, get hurt, kind of. Yeah. You know, you know, you hear that story too many times. So, you know, yeah, I'm I mean, pulling, pulling for for this to be a long a long term deal too. You know. Well, AA probably haven't signed a seven years, fifteen million by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Eric. We were talking about that last night. I'm like, and I know with TJ surgery and with a pitcher, especially, it's the the long term extensions are always a gamble, and people are a lot less or more reluctant to give those extensions to pitchers. I think I'd make an exception with him, man, and try to go like six, eight, in, or like eight years and buy out a couple years of free agency and take that risk because I think he's worth it, man. I think but, it's the only thing that. And I think it's the same situation with Freed as pitchers that have already had one Tommy John. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys come back just fine from one, but two is kind of, Mm -hmm. you get that second one. I mean, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to stay healthy. That's for sure. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Speaking of Michael Harris, Michael Harris last night hits his 14th home run. He is tied for fourth among rookies. The only rookies with more, because he's played like 80, I have this, 85 games, 87 games. All the rookies ahead of him have played like 20 to 25 more home games than he has that have more home runs than him. And he wasn't even regarded as a home run hitter when he came up. People thought, okay, initially he might hit 15 to 20, but he's kind of got that line drive natural power that once he learns how to hit it, you know, get a little lift on it, he could be a 25 home run guy. Well, we've completely reevaluated now just in the, in the time he's been here because this is clearly a guy that can hit a 30, 35 home run guy on top of being a high average hitter and a base stealer, and a yeah. and oh yeah, the best center fielder in the baseball right now. Probably he's got uh, the NL at least go glove wise. I mean, yeah. he's amazing defensively. Yeah, sky's the limit on that dude. I mean, what's impressive about that guy too is like the way he's built. You know, and talk yeah. about Strider being built and taking yes. care of his body. I mean, I think Michael Harris. I, if I had to guess, I don't. I don't know. You, you've seen him in person way closer than I have, but um, probably built a little more natural, just the way he's. Yeah. He's got yep. that thick lower half. Thick lower guys, half. Guys Big like legs. that, naturally like that. I mean, that that carries you, especially being that like that at a young age. Um, he's fun to watch. Fun to watch hit too. He, he really reminds me. I think why I like him so much. Um, he really reminds me of the guys I used to watch when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Like he, you could put him in the game in the eighties yep. or early nineties, and that's who was playing the game. Is guys that look like him and played like him and, and, uh, and swung it like him. There's no, yeah, you know, you know, I'm not ripping on Bellinger, but there's no like, you know, manufactured lift swing right. in him. He's right. a hitter. He's right. an yeah. absolute hitter. And yep. he's driving the ball with the backspin. It was like a Mookie Betts is, is another guy I love to watch and, you know, just left-handed, yeah. but he, he looks like you'd fit him, him into that, like Wade Boggs, Tony Gwynn era of yeah. hitting and that's what he looks like to me. And I, I think that's why I pull for him so much. But he, yeah, I love watching that kid play. I mean, just love it. People talk about his walk rate being too low. I'm like, okay, he can learn to take. I mean, he's going to take walks. But if, that, if that's the problem, because he his bat-to-ball skills are pretty impressive, man. I mean, he doesn't strike out that much, but he gets a lot of hits and drives the ball to all. The, the oppo power yeah. is off the charts. I mean, for a guy who weighs maybe 210, 205, 205 probably. I mean, he's put on about 20 pounds of muscle just kind of naturally. He doesn't lift a whole lot and all that, but he works hard. But that oppo power is something that wasn't there like a year ago. I mean, we saw it at spring training two years ago, but he hadn't done it in games in the minor leagues. But now he's hitting – I mean, he's hitting upper 90s oppo 
Yeah, for, you know, and not just – he's not scraping the wall either. They, and they, high up in the zone too. Yeah, he'd get on top of it. and four, nice. He's hitting him 420, 430 to left center. Yeah, Seitz has done really great work with that kid. He came up in the first week he was here. Right away, Seitz saw his hands were up too high. He didn't think he was going to really be able to catch up with heaters and everything. And and he called uh, Greg Walker because Walker had worked with him a lot in the in the, in, uh, in the minors. And and he asked Walk. He said, Walk, I want to I want to just get this, give this kid an adjustment. But usually, Seitz is like, I wait a couple of weeks, get to know a guy. I don't want to bombard him with stuff. I want to get a feel for him. He told he told Walk. He said, I want to I want to do this with this kid right now. It, do, do you think I should wait? And walks it. Do it. This kid can handle it. He's coachable. He'll he'll absorb it like a sponge. Do it. And Sykes did it right away. And like the the first road trip, three four games in, he's got his hands down. He put him. He wanted him like Eric Davis is the guy he cited. Showed him video. Eric Davis. Now, if you look, his hands are where Eric Davis yeah. used to hit. You're talking about those '80s hitters, and the difference was night and day. And he hasn't gone back. And and it's uh, he really is coachable and makes that adjustment. His first week in the major leagues, he's open to doing that. It's like, oh yeah, let's do it. And so yep. I mean, he's a and, and the guy could not be a better kid, a more impressive human when you talk to him. I mean, he could not be more impressive. Well, he, you know, I, I I got a chance to do like one of these Braves for a day camps um, a couple of years ago with Marquise Grissom, uh-huh. and and Marquise talked that's about him, and that's his guy. Yeah, that's, that's who. His, so he I, coached I didn't. Him. He he coached him a lot. Spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, uh, loves him, man. Well, loves them, you know, but that when you're getting, and that's again, like that's, if that's what's missing in the game. And I hear a lot of uh, former players talking about that. Like the game is sort of missing the veteran player. It's sort of missing yeah. the, the, even the old school guy that, you know, that's coaching. And yeah. one of the best takes I've heard, you know, is that a lot of these guys that like uh, played and, and wanted to coach, but the maybe baseball is sort of like, well, we yeah. got these analytics departments you know where they're going? They're going to coach the amateurs Yeah, coaching the 12 year olds or the 16 year olds or the 18 year olds. So these guys are getting better coaching than anyone in the history of baseball. They're coming, they're coming into the game now and, and having success and looking like, you know, a throwback. Yeah. That's because look at who he's learning from. I mean, he's getting instruction as a high school kid from Marquise Grissom. Yeah, I did not have that at all. And not pretty much none of us did. So, but nowadays, that's where the old player that retires or the old guy that wants to be in the game, they don't want to go and be at the ballpark from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah. And, and go through an analytics meetings. Yeah. Not to mention those jobs are hard to get anyway, but they're going back to their, their, their area, their community, and they're grabbing these kids like Michael Harris and look at them. And it's, yeah. it's cool. To, it's cool that's to see cool. that. It's cool when it rubs off and you can see yeah. that style in these guys and, lo- and look at how good it looks like. Yeah, like it plays, it, man. The game has changed, but you know what? For 150 years, bat to ball skills, line drives, all fields, line to line, that's been playing for 150 years. And so to see a kid that, you know, that's how he's been brought up, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan. So it's, you know, yeah, yeah it's the, a tough one. I think Strider may have stole a rookie of the year from him last night, but it's going to be know, close. They're going to have a good, they're going to have good careers. That's for sure. I think guys, when they end up lining them up, guys always, you know, voters tend to favor the everyday guy like they do for MVP. I do too. And that's why I think Harris will get it, but they're going to be one too. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind, at least and it's going to be like when Freddie and Kimbrell got one too, or Kimbrell won Freddie too. It's, um, it's hard to give it to a guy 
that pitches every fifth day. <laughs> Although if he ends up with 250 strikeouts yeah. in the highest you know, strikeout rate. He's going to push that. You know, like he's going to push that theory. But yeah. Harris is out there every single every day. Every day, and he's playing gold glove defense. I mean, yeah. the defense, too, is the separator. But uh, I, I love what you said. I, I think coaches, you're, you're so right. So many of these young coaches are being hired now as hitting coaches, pitching coaches, their analytics background which is great. I mean, there's obviously there's a huge place for analytics in the game, but they're coming from both, you know, a, a heavy analytics background. And there's not many guys getting hired for these hitting coaches positions, like the guys that the Braves have in place right now. Like not many guys are going to hire a Ron Washington as your third base coach and infield guru. Who's mm-hmm. almost eight. Who's up. Who's in his seventies, you know, mid seventies. Or a guy like Seitzer, who's almost 60 or might be 60 now, to be your hitting coach. They're not hiring yeah. those guys now. And your pitching coach, Cranny, is an old for a pitching coach. The Braves are kind of in a in a sweet spot right now where I don't think they're ever going to have a better coaching staff. No, they they, may, they staff. may evolve into a more analytics-driven coaching staff. That's a really good one. But to me, they've got the absolute perfect mix right now of a great analytics department that comes up with great information and these veteran old school coaches who have embraced it and are willing to present it to the players, which you got to have that middle person that can present this analytics yeah, instead of some bridge. bean counter, some yeah. nerd guy telling a hitter what he needs to be doing. Yeah. When a guy like Seitz is giving it to him or a guy like Wash is giving it to him about positioning in the infield and why this makes sense analytically, it's a lot better for the player. Easy, the players are a lot more inclined to absorb it and accept it and embrace mm-hmm. it when those guys are presenting it to them well, than you, an analytics guy. You got guys that have figured out how, especially hitting, you know, how to do the most difficult thing in sports. And for me, there's just, there's stuff you learn when you're playing or like I learned just as much from my teammates as I did from coaches, like that this knowledge that gets passed down from older yeah. guys. But remember one time I was throwing a bullpen and, and Ka- Scott Casimir was talking to me about weight. And he goes, I think your weight is, is too far you know, it, you need to keep more weight centered. And I'd never thought of it like that. I always just thought of weight front to back from, from the mound to the plate. And he goes, no, too much right. of your weight is toward first base. It's not allowing you to do this. It's not allowing you to do that. And it's stuff that, you know, you can look at a video and you can tell a guy you need to hold counter rotation longer. And it's, I know you can see it on video, but don't, don't tell me what I, what I need to do. Tell me what it feels like. And there's, there's so much value for me in knowing what it actually feels like to do these things, what it feels like to get on top of, you know, fastball like striders. What do I have to feel like to hit that mm-hmm. ball? You know, like Kelly's saying, I feel like I have to start striding when when his leg lifts up. You can watch it on video and, and break it down in slow-mo and tell me, you know, you're late there. But you're not actually striding when he lifts his leg. That's just what it feels like you have to do yeah. to get to it. So for me, that that's where a lot of – a lot gets lost is is guys that have done it and know what it feels like and and what the feel you're looking for to execute yeah. is more than just seeing it on video and pointing out what's wrong. It's like I know what's wrong, I can see it, but how do I get there? Yeah, you know, all these kids, these kids are are in this perfect game environment and all that, which is you know there's there's something to be said for that. But um, Harris didn't come up in that environment. Harris came up when you were talking about Marquise Grissom. I think it's great what he is doing. He's working with these black kids, mostly black kids from Southwest Atlanta, and these kids that a lot of them can't afford or aren't exposed to like East Cobb baseball and all that, right? 
Marquise Grissom is coming from the old school mentality. He's not giving them analytic information, all that. He's working their asses off on all the fundamentals of baseball. Yeah. He built this training facility. They hand built it. It's it's kind of rudimentary, but it's got what you need. And it's got a little hill they run up south of town. But all these really good athletic yeah. kids from Southwest Atlanta are playing baseball with him in the off seasons. He's working with these high school kids in their off seasons. And I mean, you could, you could argue that this is exactly what is needed in a lot more places. You know, he's yeah. kind of, a, he's, he's also involved in the RBI program thing, but he's doing it on a more grassroots level, you know, picking yeah. out these kids, letting these kids know I'm here and they're all yeah. gravitating towards him because there's a bunch of minor leaguers have come through him working with him. And some have been high draft picks and Harris is the shining example. It's kind of this, the poster child for it, but man, he's doing some great work. Grissom is because yeah. you look at the, the kids at Atlanta is cranking out now in the draft every year. It's not just now East Cobb guys, you know, and the white yeah. kids from the suburbs. It's a, it's some of these inner city kids, and and that's to me is yeah. huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. great to see. Uh, there's and, and uh, you know I've spent a fair, so much time over there at East Cobb, and a lot of the best players and the guys that are on the older teams, um, high school teams. Uh, honestly, they, they are the black kids. Yeah. I mean, they, now that they're playing baseball again and, and right. they are, the stats may not show it. I don't know right. what the stats are, it's evolving. but, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on a, on, a, on a limb and say that it's definitely going in the right direction. Two and, of the top and, five picks in the draft this year. Yeah, man. And, 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 uh, and I watched that, that shortstop, um, that went to the pirates. I yeah. saw him play with, uh, Cam Collier, Lou Collier's kid, mm-hmm. uh, who was also a high draft pick. And, you know, that East Cobb team last year or year before, I can't remember which, uh, I mean, they had like 40 kids on this roster somehow, but, but all the kids that were on the field, yeah, one white guy and that team's the best team in the nation. And, um, now they're all drafted and, and, uh, but anyway, they, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the instruction, it's the right instruction and it's the right person sending that message. And it's a guy, a lot of times that's been there and done that willing to spend the time. And that's what these kids are going to get, you know, more times than not the ones that are uh, coming into the game, ready to go. Cause you can find the, the tools, you can find yeah. a kid that's got power and throws hard and, you know, the intangibles and feel and, you know, um, you know mindset. mindset, you know, like, no, just learning how to, you know, work and be a, you're almost learning how to be a pro when you're in high yeah. school. Like if you get that and you're talented, I mean, that's, you know, what a jump start! What a head start you have! Because otherwise, yeah. you're getting drafted like us out of high school, and you're you're, I didn't know you're learning in Gulf Coast League or in Arizona, yeah. or and then you're in short season A or, or low A, and and you're you're finding that you you're hoping you have been drafted to an organization with the right people to look like. I can I can say, hey man, I had Snit, uh, Randy Ingle, and all these Braves lifers, um, uh, Chino Cadilla, and and. Uh, Jim Beecham and guys that guys that had been around superstars at the young age. Beach was B- Bobby's bench coach forever. Right. Um, you know, Chino coached like Yvonne Rodriguez and Sammy Sosa and the Rangers organization and tons of other guys. And all these guys had so much experience that, man, I got drafted into a great organization. And I was listening to Sabathia talk to Sean Casey about coming up in the Cleveland organization. Yeah. And for a while there, Cleveland was like every major league team's minor league system just like the Expos back in the day. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so if you get into an organization, the, the right organization, that's a, that's a win because you could be in the wrong one. I don't know what the Mariners were like when you got drafted, but some organizations I play against, I know for sure 
I felt bad for those guys. Yeah. Like they did not have what they needed to really learn how to be a pro and and grow early. Yeah. Yeah, There was a lot of coaches faking it, you know, that they didn't really have the knowledge, but they knew what they could see it, but they just didn't really, they just knew who's back to scratch. But I, I got lucky. I had one coach and I'd never had any high level coaching, you know, through high school. It was just, I just threw the ball. I never thought about mechanics, nothing. And I had a six ERA for the second year in a row in a ball. And I finally had a coach say, you ready to listen and and learn yet? And one session with Brad Holman, this really good pitching coach, all of a sudden I was throwing 94 and I could put it wherever I wanted. And it was just, just a few cues and a few visuals that he gave me and, and, and different things like that. You know, I think it really, it really only takes one coach, but there's certain guys that just don't click with a coach, you know? So the more you have, the more guys that can get that message across, the better. Yeah, I don't think yeah. a lot of guys have a Marquise Grissom when they're coming up in high school. You oh, know, my if you, God. If, if you think about Marquise is from that last of that era when guys didn't make $100 million, even though he yeah. was a great player, a multi, you know, all-star and all that. But they didn't make that kind of money where the the thought of working with kids later and working long hours with kids. Yep. Most of these guys made so much money that it's kind of hard, I think, for them to get in that mindset of going out there and doing that. Oh, yeah. You know, this oh, yeah. and he, so he's this invaluable resource for him and yep. is there for these kids and works with them as much as they want to. So I mean that's if you asked Harris who's been the most important guy in his career, you know, other than his parents, he would I'm sure point to Marquise Grissom and 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 Harris arrived no season in twenty twenty. You know, and he works at the uh, works at the alternate site and comes to spring training and just impresses people like, who is this kid? And yep. and look where he is today now. I mean, here he is. He, he had played 40 games above a ball, 44. And, and Vaughn Grissom had played 22 games above a ball. Yeah. And yep. you look at these kids now, they're doing something right in that player development it's, system. Now they've got so it where unusual. they want it. it oh, is, yeah. it's, it's so unusual. I mean, it, like just in my crazy generation of – my generation with, with, you know, McCann and Frank Corby being 21 coming up uh, and, and other guys that were in that 19, 20, 21 age getting to the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, there was just something about those guys that allowed them to have success and, and be able yeah. to like perform. But like when I was 20 and 21, I'm in a high A and double A. I mean, if they had called me up, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I wasn't even remotely, I was barely ready at 23, you know, like I was, there was so much more to learn and to get to. And these guys are getting that uh, at an early age that when they're in the minors, it's sort of like, okay, you know, like they've already heard. Why do I need to be here? (laughs) It's just a matter of time, you know, like it's really a matter of the big league club finding a place for them and clearing space. Um, So, you know, it's different. It it could be, it could be different. The game, the game has gotten younger for in the wrong reason. I think we've talked about in the past, Exactly. you know, they've, pushed out guys that really didn't need to be pushed out so yep. quickly and so harshly um, or abruptly. But at the same time, like the, the quality of athlete at a young yep. age in baseball, I mean, it's, it's like, wow. Like as a former player, you're, you're like, okay, dude, like you got three center fielders in the outfield and you've got four shortstops in the yeah. infield <laughs> and the pitcher's a pretty damn good athlete. And the catcher probably used to play shortstop too. Yeah. And back when us, when, when I, we were playing, I had, you know, my flares to left were singles because Adam Dunn and William <laughs> Opeña and Carlos, Del- Carlos Delgado and Austin Kearns yeah. and Pat Burrell yeah. couldn't, they, they didn't, number one, they weren't going to get to him, but they didn't even care. Their job was to get the Chipper, thanks you for not it. including him in that left field list. 
you know, Chipper's a hell of an athlete. I would he never is. throw him. And those yeah. other guys probably are too. Run, but, but yeah, but you know, it's just a different. It's just like first base. I mean, my my shanks to left were knocks. My rollovers to first were knocks because there was no shift. Yeah, and you had yeah. you had Delgado, Ryan Howard, um, uh, Mike Jacobs, all playing first base, and they're yeah, tripping they over their yeah. feet. You know, and, and no, no disrespect, it's not like I was a gold glover, but I'm saying like it's just a different era where it's you so had athletic a, now. Yeah, so athletic, and, and you know, it's it's. I wouldn't. I mean, who knows? Who knows what it looks like if you put yourself in that spot? Right. Now you're no, like, you I don't know better. that I make it. You know, you'd, you'd get, get better because you'd have you'd have all the resources. You know, you'd know how to get the most out of your body. Right. It's just it's all changed, but. Freddie's yeah, hitting 325. By the way, what would he be hitting without the shift? Because next year there's not going to be the shifts. But Freddie, Fred, I never got the the shifting Freddie. Like he gets shifted so much, and it and he it, can go it, the other way. It yeah. blows my mind because you know, I know, and maybe you shift the guy and you want him to hit the ball over there because it's better than the, the double yeah. or the ball, right? Yeah, I get uh, maybe that's it, but it just you know, have a BMAC. I was just about you took no the words right out of my mouth. BMAC yeah, with those no, top spin singles to right. Yeah. We saw oh BMAC God. with no shift. BMAC with no shift was hitting. What did he hit? This yeah, in his Three first few years. Yeah, yeah, he had the huge so, batting then, average. You know, and then after shift, it was like two fifty. Yeah. So yeah, it's also that, that, also gets tons of hits taken away by the shift. It's it's it sucks. It, it really does. Left well, it's going away. Uh, so that's good. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and by the way, it's not that easy to to just oh you know learn like that's one thing where guys even older than us will come in and be like yeah you beat the shift bro like the yeah, drums, pitches are the different now ninety four <laughs> mile an hour slider cutters in on my hands yeah I'm not gonna hit it very hard <laughs> to left field yeah and just like you know lay down a bunt like right it ain't the, it, it ain't that easy anymore Strider was, last night you could try to bunt off Strider last night <laughs> yeah. do you think it's a good thing they're banning it Kelly. Well, I mean, I just I I love the, that when you do everything right and you hit a ball hard and it's a hit yeah. versus it's already hard enough. Like you're gonna line out, but with the shift, it just sucks so bad for a left-hander. I mean, yeah, just yeah. I mean, I know they started we started shifting righties, but it just wasn't the same because right. you know the analytics like, now show you exactly where to put them and everything, it's dude. Like, it's yeah, it's I, I, I think we've talked about. This. I had I had Brian Butterfield was long time third base coach infield guy for a lot of good teams. And he's, he's, I think this is his first year out of the game. And, um, but we, he'd watch, he'd get there so early and he'd watch every single, uh, hit that a guy would have for the season and draw lines and basically come up with like every hitter's got a little bit of a, a, a almost like a permanent lane. Yeah. Like when I got a base hit up the middle, it wasn't like it was always between, it was it was random between short and second. It was this one um, spot. Like it was right actually of second on, base. it would be like on the right of second base, yep. about two feet or three feet over. It wouldn't be anymore or this way or that way. That was my lane when I got a base hit up the middle. He would be like, Hey, KJ, you're playing second base. This Here's is his lane. lane. You stand <laughs> in that lane. Sure enough, they square one up. You're right yeah. there. Um, it's that fine. And it's it's yeah. impressive that that you know you can do that but that was pre-analytics by the way that was just watching video and spending hours in front yeah, of the hard way he did that the hard, hard way, way. now we see swan now we see dansby like standing behind second base and have like three balls lined to him a game taking i mean a, their position take, now taking so a well. card out of their their back pocket and yeah. um you know actually yeah. you know side note sam folds gm of the phillies i played with him in tampa and he was the first guy i've ever seen and he did that on his own he wasn't the, nobody with tampa was 
you know, hey, here you go. He yeah. he would write out what they wanted for positioning in the outfield, and he put it in his pocket. And during games, he would pull it out. And as a center fielder, he you know coached the out the other two guys. But um, you know, some of that instinct, um, you know, reading a swing, reading you know what the pitcher and catcher are doing, how the pitchers pitches. Yeah, you know, those things are all part of the game. I get making it better and saying it makes a lot of sense, right? Like. Why, why can't you do that? The dude pulling the ball 95% of the time. And there's, there's no reason like I shouldn't go stand over there, but it would just be kind of fun to watch the game again where it wasn't so pronounced. Right. I mean, and you can argue that, yeah, you should be able to do that, but with analytics coming into the game and, and charting every pitch and every ball that's hit, it's taken out some of that skill uh, factor there because when you can position a guy where the computer tells you it's going to be hit, that changed the whole thing of I should be able to position my guys wherever. I mean, because mm-hmm. then you're penalizing the, the hitter for doing what he's been taught to do and what is, you know, his whole career. I mean, you can't yeah. start trying to aim the ball against guys like Spencer Strider and so many guys throwing 90 over 95. I mean, it's common now. I mean, and, and not to mention like, uh, no, nobody got scouted, drafted, signed, and made it to the big leagues by just duck hooking everything. Yeah. <laughs> like you do, you 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 were you learned how to hit. You stayed up the middle. You, right. you left handed hitter. You drove right. it in the left. You don't want to change gap. that. You that, don't I mean, want guys listen, changing I, that. I was in I was in AAA having a hell of a year when I got called up. Just like every other guy that gets called up out of the minor leagues, they're dominating, so they get called up. I wasn't just duck hooking. I wasn't hitting balls down the right field line. All of a sudden, though, you get the best pitchers in the world yeah. reading your swing, looking at you and being like, Oh, okay. You know, boom. Here you go. Roll over to first base. Yeah. Now I'm a, now I'm a pull hitter who can't hit the ball the other way a little bit because of who you're facing now and the right. way that they're going about it. So, you know, like there's yeah, a reason, the it's, shift. there's a reason it's not so easy to inside out some, you know, 95 mile an hour cutter from DeGrom or, you know, whoever, yeah. but and how, you know, it's just not, and, and and the role that really smart, great veteran catchers play and all that too, reading swings and all that. Last night, I don't think it was a coincidence Travis Darno's behind because he's had some good games with uh, with Contreras behind the plate too. And Contreras is really learning and getting better. But man, Darno behind the plate, they yeah. were so in sync last night. Those two guys, it was a rhythm going on there. And, yeah. and B Mac calling the game on uh, on the air with Frenchie and Chip last night. Uh, Chip Carey, B Mac, you could tell. Uh, the greatness that BMAC had as, as a catcher, call, game calling. He and Travis Darno were on the same page, even though they were BMAC was yeah. up in the stands in right field. He was in the same thinking that that uh, Darno had when he'd go, I'd stay with the slider right here, there, and he would throw the slider. Darno would call it. It was like those two were thinking the same things, and and Strider was just was not was was also in total agreement with uh, with what Darno and him they. The Braves, man, the, the game planning that they do these days with uh, Sal Fasano as the catching coach, yeah. they do so much game planning, man, and Strider loves that stuff. So he and Darno are in there, and they've got this thing. They've got a game plan that's extensive, and they follow that thing, man. It's yep. uh, it's a, it's pretty critical, critical, crucial stuff. Yeah, man. We're talking about, you know, you're talking about th- those, those young guys. You got to be lucky, on obviously, when you're to a, to a degree when you're drafting. But the Braves have done with the personnel they have right now. I mean, uh, Alex has put together a, a, a scouting department that uh, 
I mean, Dana Brown is really good, man, as the chief scout that uh, heads that whole thing up. But the whole player development now from rookie level up is guys that Alex has put in place. He slowly brought them in, guys he knows. They're yeah. all on the same page. And these guys are coming up now ready to play, man. I mean, 21 years old, Vic Grissom. And, yeah. and Harris is the youngest player in the majors. Grissom yep. is the third youngest player in the majors. And they are yep. two of the eight regular starting position players right now for the defending World Series champs. And they're like big parts of the team. Well, they're, they're fit. It, it is. It's, but, you know, these kids are also these kids are also playing against each other younger yeah. and earlier and more often. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're 15, 14, 15. I'll give you an example, man. My, my, my oldest, uh, uh, okay. Atlanta travel team played Mark Reynolds. Remember Mark Reynolds, yeah. right-handed hitter, his kids team came from Charlotte, North Carolina, but they also pull from all over the country. So half their teams, local Charlotte, the other half's like New York, California, Atlanta, uh, Texas, you know, different. And these kids are, but they're ridiculous, but we met up in a championship game of a tournament. Um, and the reason that all these kids are flying in to play on, on this team for Reynolds or not for Reynolds, but on that team is just because they want to play with the best against the right. best. Right. And so they're willing, like these parents, they're willing to come in. Yeah, it is like AAU basketball. They're willing to come in and play in Atlanta because they can't get the same level of competition right. wherever they live. And they see from these kids were 12 years old, pitching from 50 feet. And, a, and the perfect game guns are have them at 75, 77 miles an hour from 50 feet. Yeah, that's a joke. I mean, my, my kids, uh, they're coming in like they don't even know what they don't even see it. Um, so but that's what they're seeing now at, from 12. Right. All yeah. the way up. And it makes you make those adjustments sooner. Yeah. You're just not afraid of it anymore. Imagine if you just amped up a pitching a gun or a, a pitching machine on as high as it could go. And that's all you fed your kid. Yeah. I mean, he would never be laid on a heater ever, you know, right. So, you know, and that, that would probably be a smart thing to do if you've got a kid with some talent, but it's just, uh, that's what they're used to. So you got so many kids that are talented and ready for it. And I think the last piece is you got, and the Braves have done a great job with this part of it is the culture is getting the right guys that are going to fit and not getting assholes and not getting me first yeah. guys. And, and that's the part that, ultimately is, is as important as anything. I mean, everybody's going to have great talented players and prospects coming up, but you got to keep that culture going. You got to have a, a clubhouse where everybody likes each other, man, or, you know, that everybody's yeah. pulling in the same direction. Braves, Braves have that. been good at that. Braves yeah. have been good at that forever. I mean, even yeah. when we sucked before right. we got there, I mean, um, after the run and then you guys got good again in like 2000, what, 10? 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That 06 to 09 range where we weren't that great. I mean, it was still great dudes. Yeah. It was yeah. still, yeah, Bobby. And it changed yeah, my career um, coming over there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just that culture's been there since, shoot. And that was when the payroll was really low. That, that period you're talking about is when they slashed the payroll. And they said so they weren't yeah. having those veteran pieces they bring in and they weren't giving guys, keeping guys, re signing them. So, I mean, that was. So they're they're glad they're lucky they had that culture to sustain it during that time and, and get it back where it is because now they're spending money on top of all this other stuff yeah. we've been talking about and the combina- and the combination is now you're a team that's top five in baseball kind of yeah. year in year out now so it's awesome you just got to keep it going but I think that coaching staff man I think when we look back on all this ten years from now people are gonna look at that coaching staff and go good lord that was a great coaching staff because it really is. 
that yep. mix, that mix of old school guys that I think is missing with a lot of teams. Well, they know how hard it is, you know, having guys that have been yeah. through the and struggle Snit. and know with that. Snit, with Snit setting the tone, the, the yeah. prime guy that knows how hard it is. And he talks about it all the time. Yeah. He got to double A because I wasn't very good as a player, you know, after I got – I know how hard it is. And yeah. I never let these guys – I let them know that I know how hard it is. That's why I never, you know, throws guys under the bus. He never never demeans them or anything. Or respects game. them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see these last few weeks. The Mets are awful good, man. They're still three games up. Braves win, win, win. The Mets keep doing it. They took two out of three from the Dodgers, right? Uh, yeah, uh, postseason is gonna be fun to watch. But sure I tell you what, be. last thing, just uh, I think what 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 uh, Striders what he's doing right now changes this kind of uh, calculus. What we were talking about because they eliminate that travel day in the second series. There's no, the the best of. Uh, you, you don't have that second travel day. You're going to have to have four starters now yep. where you could get by with three before in a yeah. whole postseason. They, 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 you so might get game two. Because we started so late this yeah. year, they eliminate that travel day. And I tell you what, man, because if they don't catch the Mets, how important is it going to be that Strider has stepped up and they've got four really good starters now? Yeah. Because if yeah. you have to play that first round, that wild card, that best of three, that's going to be – they're all at home. The Braves would be at home. They'd play right now the Phillies. It could end up being the Padres. They'd play the Phillies right now, three games, while the Dodgers are sitting rest and waiting for you, and you're going to have to use two or three pitchers to win that series, your starting pitchers. How big is it going to be if your number three and your number four guy are as good as the Braves' number three and number four are right now? I mean, yeah. with free, Kyle Wright is leading the majors in wins. Charlie's one of, been one of the best postseason pitchers ever, so I'm going to trust him. Charlie's a wild Strider. card for me. And now Strider. But it's yeah. so different than if you only have two or three good starters, whereas you might have a crappy starter as your number starting that, yeah. starting that division series game, game one against the Dodgers, and they got their best starters lined up. Well, now you might have Strider or Charlie Morton starting game one or Kyle Wright starting game one, even if you go a three-game series in a wild card. And then yeah. you can bring back your number one for that second game. Yeah. In the division series, so it could yep. be a huge difference if you have a guy like Strider now that right. that gives you that legitimate four really good starters. Yeah, I'm gonna say that bullpen theory with him is gonna have to wait. Yeah, that's gonna be out <laughs> the window. Well, it, it's kind of helped bring him back, uh, Jesse Chavez. That yeah. helps. How about yeah, that trade? Man. You end up trading away Jesse Jesse Chavez. You really strengthen your bullpen by you know bringing in Iglesias. And now you get, you get now you get Chavez back. <laughs> yep. Kelly All you lost was Tucker Davidson. All you uh-huh. lost was Tucker Davidson. That's funny, man. So He's, yeah, you got they got a good setup. You got to have the pitching. The pitching wins in the postseason. Man, it helps you. It helps you follow uh, a script. It helps the bullpen guys get into a groove. I mean, when there's a role, a defined role, and a defined script, yeah. and it, and you can because your starters are so good, you can really follow it. I mean, that was the key to the Braves' success really last year. They had Absolutely. a couple of things they had to, you know, they had to pivot and, and make adjustments on. But right. um, Which they can do because they're both in depth. Yeah, it's it's just everything. When those when those guys, when it happens, happens like you draw it up, which is hard to do, but when it ha- that's what happens for the teams that win it. They, yeah. That's yeah. just the way it works. That's yeah, baseball. their bullpen last year was the separator in the postseason. I mean, they don't yeah. do it without that bullpen. and. Mm-mm. And now that thing's starting to come around now with the when you bring Chavez back and 
Yeah, I'm ready for postseason baseball. It's that's going to be fun to watch. I, I don't, I can't remember a better, and not just because the Braves want it, but this I can't remember. I can't remember a better postseason than last year. No, I just yeah. there wasn't. Now this one's shaping up in the NL side at least as being. It could be even better. Yeah, I mean it is going to be incredible matchups, man. But the difference. I think the Strider thing makes the difference between winning the division and being a wild card not as monumental as it was before. Yeah. Uh, if you have four starters, because you still want to win that division and be able to skip that first round if you can. But uh, yeah, it's a long postseason, too. Four starters, you don't have to bring anybody back on them. Yeah. And then you got to wear them. I mean, because mentally and and uh, the game times, oh, yeah, it, it, really, it really screws you up. And, you know, yeah. that's that kind of stuff, being able to kind of keep it a more normal. You can be oh, help. if you could do it like last year, they somehow did it using an opener in two world series games. Won it. I mean, if you go in with four starters this year, like you, know, you didn't have that last year at all. If you could do that, yep. that could be huge and have those, like you said, those bullpen guys slotted instead of having to use a, an entire bullpen to get through games, you yep. know? Yep. It, it had bit the Dodgers in the ass last year with all the pitching depth. It bit them in the ass having to do that, use that bullpen games last yep. year. So, yep. all right. Well, hey, Kelly, man, we appreciate you jumping on board. Sorry about all the yeah. pitching. pitching uh, <laughs> just came on a bad day after oh, Strider did what he did. But we really appreciate all the insight, man. It's great stuff. Uh, appreciate you having me on anytime. We'll do it again as the postseason nears, hopefully, especially with your Mets and Braves connections. It's really relevant. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was listening. You know, that's the that's a the, you know Buck Showalter man. We talked about him before. I mean, it's no secret. The guy's oh, he's been the he is a, there. He's a he's a savant out there. And he's doing he's a, a great job keeping that all that on the right. I mean, they they just they, they have not had a bad stretch yet. Really, it's another great thing for guys that are the old yeah. guys yelling at clouds is having managers that manage the whole team, and they're not. You can just tell they're not just there to be yeah. a you know mouthpiece. Right. They're managing uh, the vibe. Yeah, he's he's doing it all. I mean, he he opens up every scouting meeting for every uh, new series with the weather and where the sun sets for fly balls. <laughs> so you know wow. when you have that bad sky, and he's wow. he's he's going out of the farmer's almanac. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's where this guy that's where this guy's at. That's you know? great, so man. You find me another another guy that's that's on that level. Yeah, uh, I challenge you to find a guy on that. I mean, it's it's. I mean, before when I was with Baltimore in fourteen. He had a list of the umpires and it had all these percentages, all these different like strike zones and, you know, counts and things where you're just like, damn, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think like, and and the lineup was made based on the umpire sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, guys next level. He's good, but you know what? Postseason. You yeah. get there. It's 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 about the players and the talent. I mean, oh, managers yeah. certainly Bucks, can help. Bucks made some bad bad so. decisions in the postseason, just like everybody is. I thought I thought Snit was really good in a postseason man at really getting the hell out of the way, delegating, letting his coaches work, letting his players play. Uh, I, I I like Snit in the postseason. I really do. He's got that no panic gift. Yeah. He's, yes, he's he got, does. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But hey, guys, I enjoyed it. Good to seeing y'all. All right, man. All right, Kelly. Thanks for coming on. 755 is real, and it will always be real. Hank Aaron, long living, the home run king. We'll see y'all. Thanks. Thanks.